Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week brings a guest that's been on here before. He's no stranger to the show. He's a USPSA GM in multiple divisions. Let's give a warm round of applause for Matt Hopkins. Hey, Matt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we are. The good thing about yeah. it, I can fix my mistakes. <laughs> No, no worries on that. I think it's okay. Like you can leave it in. It, it actually helped the uh, the Area Eight troll group that thinks I'm still living in Delaware. So, you mean you're not? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I know you. I know you're not. <laughs> That's funny. You would almost think, with as long as it took you to get to Thailand, that you actually lived in Minnesota. I mean, that tra- that travel on that was crazy. It was. We're going to have yeah. to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned that. I used that example when I talked to a couple of people about the world shoot and how nuts it was. And it seemed like you were stuck in Minnesota for a week. I was there quite a bit. Yeah, I was stuck. The whole The whole travel thing was really bad. It was probably as bad as it could have got if, like, and getting there. Like, if it would have been worse if I didn't get there. But that's the only way it could have been worse. Wow. Now, did they did they have to change your schedule around so that you could? No. Or did you make it just in the nick of time? I I made it to my hotel in the room twelve hours before I had to start shooting. Wow. Yeah. So you didn't get a chance to test anything out either, did you? Nope. Not at oh, all. Boy. Nothing. Goodness gracious! First round of. Uh, first round fired is for record. Well, that was interesting. So I got up on the first stage. We started on stage six, and the way the order had broken out, I was first up on that stage. <laughs> good. Th- the only good thing was it was after lunch, so the ROs messed up the timer or something, or, or they did something it wasn't recording the time. So I got like a, I got a free run. I got a halfway run on on an Ipsic World Shoot stage. And then got rotated oh. to the back, so okay, it, it, it was kind of neat. I mean, it was good. All right, so you, they gave you like a half stage warm up. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, that was very nice of them. <laughs> <laughs> Convenient after all the other stuff you had to go through. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, just in general, how was your 2022 shooting season? Uh honestly, it was. It was hectic. It's the least I, amount of rounds I've shot um, probably in the last five years. Um, moving, changing jobs, like it was, it was, everything was done pretty early, like in the first half of the year. And I was pretty much settled in for the second half. So I was able to manage it, but it's not ideal. Wasn't ideal at all. Okay. How did it affect your performance at nationals? Mm, I I mean, I had just settled in and I didn't even have a range of shootout at that point. So I was shooting local matches, driving around. That was all I could do. Wow. Yeah. So was that was kind of like your live fire practice too then? It was, yeah. It absolutely was. Wow. So do you, did you find a range? Is all that good to go now? Yeah, I'm all settled in. I got everything now. I got uh, two ranges I could go to. One's pretty close with limited hours and then one's open more 
any daylight hours. So as soon as time changes, I'll be good to go after work. Do, does FN not have a range down there? or uh, They have a range internal. They actually have two different ranges, but it's there's security and everything you have to go to. So I couldn't like bring my gun in and take it out every day. That It would just be a non... It wouldn't be able to be done. Okay. All right. And And honestly, I want it to stay... Like, that's my job. I go do that. But, like, when I'm away, I don't want to... Spend your time at work? Yeah, pretty much. And and right. they've, like, asked me, like, do you want to shoot an FN or anything like that? Or do you want to talk to the marketing people? And and I told them no. Like, I've done that before. I want to just kind of do what I'm doing by my for myself, for me, and for my fun outside of work. So when I leave there, uh, my job... They don't really expect me to work after hours or anything, so I can do whatever I want. I could go travel on my off time, so it's basically purely on me for what I want to do. And that wasn't that definitely was not always all the always the case. So, are you still shooting for CZ then, or no? No. Are you still shooting a CZ? Yes, I am. Yeah, oh. I'm shooting a Shadow Two right now. So, yeah. all right. How are you liking it? It's good. I spending a bunch of time on the Palmer P10. The trigger system, like it was pretty good. The trigger on the Shadow Two is better, but the weight of the gun I think makes more difference than the trigger at this point. So that's how. Like I'm sure we're gonna talk. I know we're gonna talk about the board and what they were talking about and everything. So I'll have more to elaborate on that. But I think I spent enough time and understand the differences in the guns and the trigger systems now to have a more intelligent answer when it comes to that. And when people say stuff about they're all the same and everything, they're, they're basically not. I was just at shot show. Yeah. I played with the new rival X. Holy guacamole. That thing's much heavier than I have the polymer rival. Mm-hmm. which I which I use the other the steel is 42 ounces so it's like an extra roughly 12 ounces um, that's awesome that's a, that's a great weight okay that's what I and that's what I was going to ask you about when I picked it up um you know I had Nils on a couple weeks ago and we chatted about it but the the thing that I noticed I picked it up I was like it's nice it's gonna it's balanced It'll feel good in recoil, but I the first thing that went through my head was transitions are going to be different. Like uh, As long as you get used to it. Right, but I feel like, I don't feel like the moving it will be difficult, but I feel like the difference is going to be stopping it. Yeah. Right, you know, right on target without any, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth wobble per se. Yeah. Agree, disagree, or? Uh, it's gonna take a little more if you're used to the polymer gun and the weight in there so yeah it's gonna take a little more in stopping it but it's not something you can't train out and when i switched back to the shadow 2 i i think what i I landed like sunday night and i was shooting a match on the next saturday with the shadow 2 so i i switched in like immediately and I definitely noticed it for a while but then once i started shooting and practicing and dry firing with it 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 was a non-issue now how long did you think that transition period was for you? I mean, it's going to be different for me, but for you, how long was that transition period? Oh, uh, it was at least a month. And yeah, I mean, already... I shot the polymer gun for what, two years. 
after I learned I was on the team. So once I realized and heard I was on the team, I switched immediately and didn't ever shoot anything else. Like I was uh, basically practicing for two, two and a half years with the same guns. I, I, and I think, don't want to blame the equipment much, but it's definitely harder to shoot those guns at a higher level. The steel guns? No, the polymer guns. Oh, the polymer. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. So you definitely think the weight then is a, an advantage. 100%, okay. yeah. Okay. Then I guess we'll get to that when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you shoot production? Nationals? Production optics light. Okay, right. At World Shoot, you shot yeah. that. You were, on, you were on the team. Yeah. Okay. Before that, did you shoot any of the other... After Carry Optics Nationals, did you shoot any of Limited or Production Nationals? No, I didn't. I did not okay. at all. Because I was, I was one hundred percent dedicated to that gun and that platform. And uh, okay, starting the new job, I really didn't have time off, and I had to basically plan out my year with limited time off. And I knew I had to take a certain number of days for World Shoot. Right. So, and honestly, I had to work the Friday morning of Carapix Nationals and then go out and shoot that afternoon. So I like drove in after work Thursday, worked remote like Friday morning for several hours and then went to the range and competed. So like it's, it's not ideal. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of factors that added to that. So, and that's just one of them. That's so I had time to go to the world shoot. So you probably, did you even, well, I saw you what? Thursday evening, you and Crystal. I saw you guys Thursday afternoon. No, I it would have been Friday. No, Friday. Yeah, maybe Friday afternoon or Saturday afternoon when you guys were walking yeah. the stages. Yeah. Okay. Because I had shot him and my... she was in the section behind me, so I was talking her through the stages. Okay. Yeah. Look at that. I'm already getting my days all mixed up. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for being patient when I walked up and. <laughs> And uh, interrupted you guys during your walkthrough. Oh, that's fine. I'm I'm used to that. It's no problem at all. She's a um, she's a she's got a lot of energy. She's a fun conversation. Yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it was funny. So how would you um, how did you like before we get to world shooting that? How did you like carry the last carry optics nationals? I thought it was that? the best match I've shot at CMP. Honestly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I've talked about it before, but CMP has only one thing against it, and it's the number of bays. Agreed. Um, but otherwise, like, it was the best match I've shot there. And the the best stages, I, I didn't think anything was, like, overly crazy or hard or negatively affected the match flow. So I they've worked out a lot of that stuff there. So we'll see with what they have for next year at a range that's never even hosted a level two match. So, yeah. And I saw a picture recently. Um, I want to say it was December where they were showing them being built, the bays being built. They're building only eight, the other eight or 10, or they have probably 20 other bays, but they're, they like half of those are downrange only with concrete sidewalls. The other half are downrange but they have wood sidewalls. They've said they know how to shoot into the wood and do that. So okay. it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm going to definitely take a pair of 
shoes to wear in mud. Yeah. Because fresh it's dirt like that, idea. it's going to be and in the springtime it could rain very, very easily. And I've and I've been on that range before uh for SASP and it is it's muddy and it's wet and it doesn't drain very fast. Well, maybe uh, maybe I'll bring two pair of shoes then. I would definitely. If you're driving, yeah, I would. <laughs> okay. I'm definitely driving cuz it's only 8 hours. So, I'm Yeah, it's it's drive. 9 for me here, so I'm I'm driving also. This episode is brought to you by Laser App. L A S R App. They specialize in laser dry fire training, super convenient and not to mention super cheap. You can use anything for a dry fire target and any device with a camera for capturing the laser hits. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. And it's veteran-owned, Semper Fi, Ben. You can utilize multiple targets and multiple cameras. It can be as complex or as simple as your heart desires. They even sell steel challenge banners. They sell CERT guns and the CERT AR Bolt so you can practice indoors with your AR for free. There's a newsletter and a forum you can join. When you sign up for the newsletter, they'll send you a free six-part video series. Check out their website. It's a smorgasbord of items to make you better faster. Use the affiliate link on our website or at the bottom of our podcast notes and on YouTube for a 15% discount. Also, use our coupon code in the store for 10% off of other items not necessarily covered by our affiliate link. Thanks for your support, everyone. Without your support, this podcast would be difficult to maintain. Oh, that's not bad at all. No. You must be close to an interstate because you're definitely further south than me, so. Uh, I think I think I go up interstate for two or three hours, but the rest is like state highways. I would have guessed 10 to 11 for you, but okay. Last I looked up, it was only nine, but um, I'll look closer. We'll see. <laughs> it's Have still within driving your... distance so oh yeah yeah i mean i drove to cmp from up here um and i'm only an hour south of dc so i want to say that was about that takes about 11 to 12 hours for me so. oh really okay it's four yeah. hours from me no five hours from me that's not bad at all no and i can get to the florida matches pretty easily too so you know, just move here just in time for them to never, ever have another match in Frostproof, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was inconvenient. <laughs> but if you want to shoot Ipsic, you're way closer to all the Ipsic yeah. matches now. Yep. So Plan on doing that. So, I, I was going to say, before we get into the actual world shoot stuff, and maybe it's just me because, uh, as you know on the document, it's like um, maybe it's uh, I'm new. And I'm just seeing a lot more of the Ipsic stuff coming around. But reading the social media stuff, it it really seems to be getting a lot of traction. So I've seen, I think, three and a half cycles of this now where three world shoots have happened. I've been there for the qualifiers leading up to it, the coverage after the last world shoot. So there's a lot of interest right now because the world shoot just happened. And so this is probably the peak interest of number of people that want to go to the next world shoot. So I think there's, I've talked to people, I think there's roughly 300 people that have interest in going to it. 
there's probably only realistically a hundred that will put the time to go qualify for the matches and put the expense out to go to the world shoot. Like it's, it's not cheap. Thailand was definitely the cheapest place I've been. And I got out of there for way under what I thought I would spend or even had budgeted to spend. Yeah. I, I just feel like Ipsic in general, like with the popularity of the Caribbean open second year in a row. Now people have gone, seems to be garnering more interest. Um, people seem to like the hybrid rules. Yeah, it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid between USPSA right. and IPSC. Right. So I, I, I feel like with that, and you just had the um, IPSC Pan American Open, Extreme. The Pan American Extreme Open, and yeah. some others recently, they seem to be getting a little bit more interest in that. Um, I, I, I think it's good, yeah. I think it's interesting. Uh, IPSC does not do everything perfectly. So to adopt a just go straight adopt IPSC rules would not be it's not something I would suggest and I've dealt with both. IPSC does stuff better than USPSA and it goes both ways. So yeah, I like I like the hybrid rules of the Caribbean Open. I think it's interesting. The part that interests me the most, I think, is the fact that you have to stay within the fault lines. Yep. Be because then I really think now it's um a, a more of a test against the end each individual shooter now where everybody's having to go for the most part the same way there's still a few options but yeah you know, i talk i think that's an awesome thing that could be used i so i think you should be able to say if it's stay within the fault lines or not per stage yeah i agree i think it would make setup much easier because if you want to force people to shoot a certain way, you have to basically wall it in, in USPSA Correct. rules. Uh, in IPSC, you don't have to do that. You can lay down some fault lines, and it's good. Yeah. Now you're channeling them how you want it to go and yep. testing what it is you want to have tested. Yeah. I think that would be a huge thing, kind of like we have fixed time and Virginia count. We could have a – well, I'm not even going to throw a name out there, but whatever people decide to call it. That's the part that intrigues me. Now, did you take um, did you take an off season? Uh, I actually have not. No, I've been shooting consistently. Since, well, I mean, I took like the first half of the year off last year. So, <laughs> really, <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so you still have a ways to go to catch up. <laughs> yeah, I, I did look at my calendar. Uh, it's looking like July will be my off month. I'm going to shoot pretty consistently up until then. Then I'll take a break and then finish the year out. I don't have any matches or anything in July. Are you getting any majors in before Carry Optics Nationals? Yep. I have one, two, three, four, five, it looks like. Whoa. That's probably every one of them because there aren't. Uh, uh, well, yeah. I guess you're traveling a little bit because. Yeah, it's like Kentucky twice, Area 6, which is local here. So local is two hours away. So uh, South Carolina okay. State, uh, I think, oh, Buckeye Blast, so Ohio a second time in there. So I had that on the list. There's actually cash money prizes for that. Is there? Yeah. That's uh, neat. Let me make sure. I'm sure yeah, there is. Buckeye I've Blast. seen more matches doing that, yeah. That's also on the list for later, but very, very interesting. I'm starting to see more and more as well. Well, it's it's hard to 
I've ran matches at all levels. I've, I've looked at the finances with everything. It's hard to... The way the match fees are, it's hard not to make profit on the matches, you know? If you have enough local-ish staff, you don't have to pay them to travel in, and you have good enough benefits for them, you can have money, and you can make money on these matches. It's been proven before. There's been big matches ran all throughout the country, and entry fees are doing nothing but going up. And the cost of the stuff is not going up that high. If a a one by two for a target stick, cost, a bundle of them cost four dollars two years ago. It what cost six dollars now? That's not a lot. And so that doesn't take up much. Uh, it doesn't take up as much of the the match entry fees as as people say. I and I've seen the nationals what they spend on each nationals, and it's it's not that much. Like nationals probably has the best staff package I've seen comparative to the other area matches and, and like um, the one I've, the ones I've seen and state level matches on the finances that I've seen. So having you having run different levels of matches, how far out would you know, this is how much quote unquote profit I have. So this is how much I could dedicate to cash in prizes. Uh, I'd say I knew a couple months after I opened the entry fees, uh, open entry, and then so that was like three or four months ahead of the match. Oh, wow. Okay. I had everything broken down to how much per shooter I was paying the range. So I knew all that. I knew how much I was paying all the, for the staff package. I knew how many staff I was having. So I budgeted all that in and had my maximum amount of staff. So I didn't ever spend anything over that. Now, I didn't get all the staff I needed. So that was able to be put back in the match. But I knew, like, if I had 45 slots for staff, I knew how much that would be. And I knew how much I had budgeted for water and, and snacks and RO drinks and the RO gift that I had, I had budgeted money in for all the awards and the trophies. I had all that budgeted in. So I knew, like, I knew every, like, down to the penny how much I was spending and where I was at, plus or minus. Now, did you come up with that all on your own, or was had, there a template had, that someone... There, there was a couple people provided something, but I had to modify it pretty heavily to get what I was looking for. Now, was that for the area three, or that was, was that for just area a three? Yeah, and I and I I got the sheet from the free state match, and so I kind of adopt adapted that to what I was needing. Uh, but it eventually turned into something totally different. I'm wondering if somebody could create like an Excel spreadsheet where you could literally depending on what area you are, you just go in and punch in your numbers and it automatically calculates all this stuff for you. And yeah, just one template for all. The yeah. Matches, you know, you could basically use the one I have and I just clear it out and I, I make it prettier and easier for people to use, but yeah, you could do that pretty simple. And I actually created it like an estimating sheet so I could figure out like what the entry fee should be. And then I, I knew oh. what I had to pay USPSA if max shooters and, max staff that's how i kind of figured out what the staff package was also this is i'm gonna 
probably be condescending here, but this is not rocket science. It's like maybe 50 lines of expenses and three lines of income. And then you just like add up all the expenses, add up all the income, and you have a final number. It's not that hard. Like right. the the expenses aren't that random to come up with these numbers. And anybody that's running a match that's ran more than one big match has the information to them and available if they wanted to do the work to provide that to anybody, no matter what size match it was. I have not run a match. So this is all. Yeah, no, it's me. So uh, if if you good friend said, if you've ever balanced a checkbook, and he basically told, he called me out and he's like, you haven't ever done it. And I'm like, I haven't done it for a while, but yeah, I did do it once <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, right. If you've ever balanced a checkbook, you, you should have no problem doing a match. I, I used to train people for a living and rifle. Yeah. So, you know, I knew how much, it, you know, they were paying for the training. Yep. We knew what we put out in targetry and, and everything else. So I, I can, even though I haven't, done a uspsa style pistol match i know what it how to break it all down so yeah it's very simple it's like and even if you walk around a range and say if you just think like if you if you go there like with the mind of i'm gonna look and see what's on this range and what i would need to like come up with to put one of these on so you got to look around for porta potties you got to look around are the safe tables there Mm-hmm. You gotta look around. Do they have enough target stands, wall stands, sticks, all the all the stuff that goes with it? And then, do they have shade or and cover like that? Area three had a trailer with a bunch of stuff in it. Uh, they had a bunch of targets that they bought over the years. They had timers, tablets. So area three had a bunch of that stuff already. But I brought a. I had a stats guy come in, Andrew and Scott. They came in. They. Area 3 bought a Wi-Fi system so they could do live scoring updates. Andrew brought in all their tablets, so he ran the tablets and the stats for the match. So people that want to make this hard, it's going to be hard. It's not that hard. Just sounds like a lot of coordination. Yeah, which I, I guess I'm used to, but that's basically like my day job. Like I have to coordinate between a bunch of different things with a ton of different items the project I'm on right now makes a match look like an eighth grader could do it. So you're accustomed to it. Yeah, it, it's not it's not difficult. Right. And I imagine too, part I mean, if you're new to it, it'd just be reaching out to people who've done it before. So Yeah. I, I I don't know of too many people that in this business, this sport, that aren't helpful. Let's talk about world shoot. Sure. <laughs> How how many days were you actually traveling to get there? Sixty two hours to get there. Sixty two hours. So we're from talking the time I left, fourteen hours. Yeah. Good lord. So I left my town about midnight. I had like a six a.m. flight out, and I was going to get there plenty of time. So I took off and forgot the keys to my locks. So I got to where I was going to park the car and had to basically like cut the locks off of everything. So two Mm. sets of locks, go find locks at 2 AM, which can you even imagine where to go to get those? There's no Walmarts open at 2 AM anymore. Not anymore. The only place open are cut truck stops. Oh yeah. So I had to go buy locks at a truck stop. Started that way. Um, basically, 
reconfigured all my bags when I got there. I knew I'd be overweight on one of them, so I had to kind of switch stuff around. I took ammo with me, so I had to make sure nothing was over the maximum 50 pounds. Uh, and no more than 11 per bag, right? Uh, it's 11 total, and yes, that's okay. what I told them. <laughs> okay, I get that. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I can read between the lines. <laughs> that's what I think everybody was saying, but... yeah. Holy cow. So did so did your bags show up when you showed up? Yeah, they did actually. Okay. Well, that's uh, so a plus. Flew out of airport here, got to Minneapolis. The plane was late. So we had I it was like eight six, eight hours delayed in Minneapolis. That caused me to miss the connection in South Korea. So Korean Air was like, Yeah, you you're gonna stay here overnight. So I stayed in South Korea overnight without a visa or any way they just like let us out of the airport really but but they're like your bags have firearms you have to keep it we kept them here they kept them at the airport all night it locked up yeah so everybody else could got their bags could change clothes and everything and i was i was stuck in what i had whatever you carried onto the plane is what you had i yeah i actually brought a second set of clothes just just in case on that so Okay. And then they are like, oh, well, you had a, like a 5 p.m. flight the night before, so we'll just rebook you 24 hours later. So I said in Korea, there was like a 9, 1, 3, and 5 o'clock flight. I could have been on any of those earlier ones, but they're like, no, those are all sold out. You have to go on the 5 o'clock one. Yeah, so I was in Korea for 20 hours or something like that. I feel like that's enough time to learn the language. No, I mean, I got to the hotel. I knew I, knew I had to sleep that night. Or I would be totally off for the whole week. And I actually got – it was good because I couldn't do anything. I had to, like, kind of just sit in the hotel room. I, I walked around a little bit, but I was able to get on the sleep schedule that I needed to, and it was good for the whole week that way. Now, where in Korea – was it Seoul? Is that where you landed? Seoul, Korea. Yeah. Seoul, okay. South Korea. Right. Yeah, I was never in Seoul. I was in a couple different places south of there. So, all right. Well, if I'd have known, I could have told you, if you want to get anywhere fast, just say hubba hubba honcho, <laughs> and they'll drive crazy fast. Well, they... It's the only time I've ever been scared in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't explore much. <laughs> no, I don't blame no. you. <laughs> and it was like so when, late, uh, nothing was open. Uh, even during the day? Oh, the next day, yeah, stuff was open, yeah. So you got on the 5 o'clock fight? Yeah, flight. I made it to Thailand, Bangkok after that. It was no problem. I was there so close to the match that there was no IPSC people or match people there to do the gun check-in and everything. So that took longer than everybody else experienced coming in because there was no locals there to help me. So it was like, they. I don't know if the same people were there or what, but they had to check everything. It went smooth. Okay. It was it was nothing out of the ordinary like like any no. other international trip I've been on. So like they checked no. the serial numbers, checked paperwork, let me go. It was fine. No body cavity checks or anything. No, no, none of that. Okay, that's now when did you when were you able to check in for the match? Like two hours before I started shooting. Yemen had to take me and another person because they arrived late also to go through gun check and all that and registration. That was all done at basically on the chrono stage because they had all the ROs on stages. They were working. They didn't have anybody doing gun check at that point. Mm, okay. So they just walk you right down there, huh? Yeah. 
And I guess they did your gear check then on the first stage like they do at USPSA? They did gear check at the Chrono, and then I okay. never saw it done at all for the entire rest of the match. As a, as a squad, they called a couple people out on certain questions, but that's pretty common. Normally, on all the other Ipsic matches, they kind of like line you up in a line and do like a, a line. You know, when they have criminals lined up in the yep. jail? <laughs> yeah. They usually do that at most Ipsic matches. They did not do that here. I don't know if they well, were checking like from the back and looking, but I've had that done at a USPSA match. Really? Yeah, they lined everybody up and just walked down and checked everybody. <laughs> yeah. So silly. I was like, I, I mean, I'm still kind of new. You know, I'm four years into this sport, yeah. so I'm still fairly new. I consider it anyway. So I was like, uh, okay, all right, where do you want me to be? I'll do whatever you need me to do. Yeah. Now, what day was your free day where you weren't shooting no we shot day one through five so, so landed 12 sunday. hours started shooting sunday afternoon and shot sunday monday tuesday wednesday thursday okay. all in a row so <laughs> now would you have preferred to have had a, a free day in there or do you uh, like just going back to back to back without that pause i i could deal with it anyway like any any way at all i think it's fine any of them i'd like to shoot probably if i had my ideal situation like three and two or two and three that kind of gives you a rest day you can reset in between right i feel like that would be the best like so if you could get it in the middle somewhere yeah that would be it almost be like shooting a major match a one day break a major match yeah exactly yeah so what did you do on your friday uh, I went to the range for a little bit and watched the production shooters. And then I, uh, what did I do Friday? I did some touristy stuff. I did that some Friday and some Saturday after the shoot off. So I did a, I did a little sightseeing. I didn't like experiment, experiment with the food or anything. I wasn't there for that. So I wasn't willing to take the risk to go get sick or anything because at that point, yeah, I was done. This episode is brought to you by Gun Butter. Gun Butter is a premier lubricant for your rifle or pistol. They have grease for parts that need it, like lugs on a bolt gun. Man, do I love a bolt gun. It's a proprietary blend that they won't even trademark so as not to have to give away their trade secrets. Check out the video I put up on YouTube. Uh, look for another one coming soon. I even ran into Rick Powers, an RO at Carry Optics Nationals. He switched to it after listening to our podcast with Mason Litchfield. He loves it. Rob Epifania uses and loves it. Frank Shu uses it and loves it. Use Casual Shooter 20 and save 20% on checkout. Shooting, but I was getting on a plane like within a day and a half or something, so I didn't want to risk getting sick like on the travel way back, so... Any were there any uh, elephants or Muay Thai fighting in your? Yeah, yeah, I did both. We did both of those. I think we did the Muay okay. Thai fighting in the week. I went with the lanes and. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at. Now, did you? You said, oh, you went to the range to watch the world shoot. Did you get a chance to go to that range that Mason posted on Instagram? No, I saw it. Oh, we drove by it several yeah. times. It's pretty oh, really? neat. Yeah. That looks like an amazing facility. 
it's basically like they put uh i don't know what you call it like a freestanding kind of like warehouse thing but i had open sides on each side and like a right. business front and they basically shot outside of the the warehouse into dirt berm so it was nice yeah it's it interesting really concept like yeah yeah, completely protected from the elements, but still had that outdoor feel to it. Yeah, it, it looked cool. It, to build something like that here would be way too cost prohibitive, I think. So mm, maybe we can import it as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd have Put to import it on a their, tanker. <laughs> you have to import their economy also. I don't think that would work. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> Labor laws and, you know, minimum wage. Stuff. Minimum wage, yeah. I think that's well. the big thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're the first shooter up on stage one. You just got there. You're like, oh, my God, I just showed up and I got to shoot first. Um, so you get a half stage warm up. What did you yeah. think of the stages, though? How would you like them? I thought they were good. I thought it was a good mix. They were very challenging moving targets. Like, very challenging moving targets. And that... That is another thing that I've seen in the Ipsic matches now that I'm starting to get irritated about. Man, I love the actual moving targets, like on a rail or a cable, whatever it is. Yeah. I wish, I've seen it in Bianchi Cup when I've watched that, but I would love to see that at like a Nationals level match, you know, where add in that other component where it's not just doing this, but it's, yeah. you know. Yeah, they had like a slider with uh, two plates on it that did that. Okay. I've even, I even saw somewhere they were, someone said they, they got a little out of control at one point because not only was it moving from, you know, left to right or right yes, to left, but they it had, was also doing this. Yeah, they had two, two, <laughs> two targets like that. It was a slider that was also a swinger. And they put okay. no shoots on both of those because, you know, it wasn't hard enough or mm. punishing enough. That's right. That's what they said, too, is like the part that was out of control was the fact that they then put no shoots on it. Yeah, it was it was nuts. But I think that would be a, a good challenge for super squad level guys. You know, you're on the super squad. Here you go. Here's not necessarily the, the no shoots, but yeah. a, a slider slash swinger. Mm -hmm. moving across you know good way to separate you know the yeah. top from the bottom yeah the the no shoot like it it being there was fine the no shoot on it was the problem right the the thing that made it too much yeah just remove that throw that yeah. in uspsa nationals match especially why not a pcc you don't have to put the no shoot on there but put that sucker out at 40 yards and mm -hmm. moving so, across there the challenge with that is is making something that'll last the whole time that'll be the same the whole time and they're never in recent history they haven't been at a place long enough where you could set up those permanent oven like contraptions like that that sliding steel thing that that was set up for probably months ahead of time maybe even years that they were there okay like everything was bomb proof that i saw Kind of like Bianchi Cup, where they have it the same place every yep. single year. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So what are your thoughts then on the USPSA eventually doing it at one spot and not moving it around? Like owning a place or just picking like, mm. this is our range for nationals for the next 10 years? 
That's what I would say because I that, I mean, that makes sense. I think you're going to get people that will complain about how far it is from them or what part of the country that it's close to. Right. If it's announced enough ahead of time and notice is given enough ahead of time when the matches will be where it's at, people can plan ahead for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Like if it's announced, what was Care Optics announced? Uh, what they announced it in September and the match was in the, is in the next June. So it, nine months ahead. So most people, some people can't put in vacation that short amount of notice. So they can't go. Agree. They should be right now working on 2024 nationals. Maybe they are, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. I would say that it should be announced a minimum of 12 months ahead of time. So if they knew that nationals was going to be in June, announce it in June. Don't wait till nationals. Say, hey, heads up, we're going to be here. Yeah. June of 23, it's going to be here. So, and then you can give more details later, but at least then people are like, oh, that's the range. That's where we're going. Cause I agree. Yeah. I mean, for me, being a, yeah, a lot where everybody takes vacation in the summertime. Mm -hmm. So October for nationals was good for me because it was easier for me to get leave. Yeah. You know, to go and do it. June is much harder. And if you're not putting in your leave 12 months ahead of time, like you're saying, yep. uh, it's a struggle. We have 600 plus firefighters at one off the same time every year. Everybody wants the same time off. It's kind of hard to let that many people off when you're critical employees. Yeah. So that'd be tough. It's kind of hard to work remote, putting out fires or saving people from death. Yeah, that's, yeah, that would be tough. <laughs> so, and people just don't know how to stay out of trouble. So it doesn't work. You can't, you mean you can't tell them that there'll be no. No help this weekend, so you know, don't burn your house down or don't get in an accident. I try telling them that all the time. My <laughs> my supervisors don't like that. <laughs> so, well, what was it I said the other day? It's probably a good reason not to do fentanyl. That's what I said. I forget exactly <laughs> what the situation was. I was uh, yeah, she had overdosed. And there's probably not too many good reasons to do fentanyl, though. There, there's about zero good reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So when she was, you know, when I, I find, I slowly woke her up, I took my time <laughs> and, um, not, and that's not doing harm, but it's actually easier on the patient. If you, the slower you bring them out of it. Well, she probably spent a bunch so, of money on those drugs also and needed to get her she, money's worth. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is, you're actually closer to the truth than you think. Um, plenty of people get mad that you ruin their high when you I'll bring them out of it fast. Yeah. So, so I, you know, but, I forget what it was. Her, her girlfriend said something and I was like, that's probably a good reason to stop doing fentanyl. So I, I try to find a way to be forceful without getting in trouble. Yeah. So try to be play. I'm not very good at it. I had one of our higher up say you guys, if you guys want her to stop calling, you just need to send Dave on the next call. <laughs> <laughs> She'll stop calling. <laughs> now I also thought that the stages were <laughs> incredibly decorated. At like, world shoot, so they're always yeah. like that. The, like, wow. All the all the world shoots I've shot three now are all all like that. So, really, it's, and it's a pride thing, I think. So you're you're showing your country off to the world. They did it in Florida. They had a guy come oh. in, and I think he was there for a month. 
wow. doing decorations on the stages. Yeah. What theme was it in Florida? I don't know. I'm not sure. Because that obviously had a very Thai feel to it. Yeah, they had like um, a, a fruits of Thailand, the dishes of Thailand, the animals of Thailand. Yeah. The uh, like traditions. Uh, just it was all representative of, of what Thailand was or what they had there. They might have had two fruit sections, I think, or two food sections. Man, I, I, I do love to try different food. Now, was there anything about the way they did the stages that you didn't like? Uh, the bays didn't. So four sets of the stages didn't have a lot of distance on them. So they were broken up to six stage, basically six bays sections, and there was five of them. Only one of those five sections had anything where you could get past 25 yards. Mm. All four other sections were within 25 yards. I guess you could do an angle on one and get a little further, but that's the, I mean, that one section tested, I think there was six, five or six shots over 30, 35 yards, and one was at like 45. Okay. Uh, coming from France, there was one stage that had like a 62-yard or 65-yard target on it. And that stage had a multiple targets over 30 and 40 yards in France compared wow. to what they had at Thailand. So it it just depends on the bay layout. I don't think it was adversely affect like it didn't adversely affect the match at all. It was still plenty challenging. I had someone say they weren't impressed with the ROs. I had no issues with ROs. I, I had no issues at all. There, I mean, there was little stuff where they were uh, short beeping you or it, stuff like that. But going into something like that, you have to expect that. And you can't let that kind of bother you. You're going to mm. expect to get kind of hassled for your equipment at some point. You're going to get hassled about your start, like where you're choosing to put your hands or where your feet are, or where you're looking on the stage, which they want you like facing downrange all the time. So a lot of it, you could just like preemptively like look down range and not try to game, like say game it or turn your head at all. And, and that took a lot of that element out of it. Like so I, think... I expected a bunch and not as experienced as ROs as you'd want, but there's probably, how many were there? There are 30 stages. You had probably three on each. So 120 plus resetters. They had people come in for that, but there's probably... 120 IROA staff there at minimum. So do you think part of the issue then is just the fact that a lot of them are new to this style shooting and mm. used to USPSA style rules? So the no, no, no. ROs oh. might hassle them a little more? Uh, that could be a that? little bit of it. That could be a little bit of it. Or this is one of their first IPSC matches. Uh, USPSA lets you get away with a lot more. Ipsic does right. not just it's just how that's the culture of Ipsic versus USPSA. The one of the specific um I don't want to call it a complaint, but observations, that's what yeah. I'll call it, that someone had was they felt that the ROs were too far away from people at times, whether it was with a beep or just capturing the actual report of the pistol and some of those were being missed because they were too far from the shooter i think that happens i 
I think it happens all like it can happen anywhere. I don't think it was a specific thing with them. Okay. So wasn't anything that you really noticed? No, not really. I, I heard talk okay. about it, but it's not it's something that you can't affect or do anything with, so I'm not oh, gonna right. let it bother me. How did you like <laughs> how about the humidity? Did that mess with you? It was hot there. It was really hot. Yeah. Like it was it was not like it is here in the US and or like in Florida or anything like that. It was totally different. Like it was probably 90 degrees, but the humidity was probably a hundred percent the whole time. Like immediately start sweating. Like as soon as you walk out of the hotel, like even if you're just waiting for the car, you're, you're drenched, drenched in sweat and sweating the whole time. So just drinking tons of water and make sure, making sure you stay hydrated. Like, when I stopped in South Korea, I'm like, I need to drink water because I knew I had to get ahead. And that 12 hours, like I stopped, I went to like a 7-Eleven because it was on the corner to get bottled water before I actually went to sleep. So I made sure and drink water before that and like get up in the morning, like pounding water, uh, drink like two Pedialyte packets every day, like one to start out the day just to try to stay ahead of it. Right. Well, and I, I think that's the part that people miss is it's great that you're drinking water, but water doesn't replace electrolytes. And if you're not yep. replacing electrolytes, you're still going to suck wind. Yeah. So good for you. Um, but I, I, I've been to the Philippines three times, so I know exactly what you're talking about because it's the exact same weather. So, yeah, it, it's yeah, I don't even know how to describe it, but it. it the worst Florida's been. Florida, I think, is hotter, but that was more, I don't know, humid or whatever you want to call it. But it was, it was all that. It was definitely hot. It was sticky. Yeah. And sweated a ton. I totally get it. And you were there almost right at the middle of the summer. Like it hadn't even quite gotten summer yet. You right. still had a month to go before yep. you were. It's like, it'd be like May here. So, yeah. Are you going to do the next world shoot? I'm waiting to see what they come out with uh, the qualification process, honestly. Okay. Uh, it's in Rush, uh, South Africa, sorry, in 2025. So, South Africa, right? South Africa, yeah. If yeah. they follow the same way they've done it in the past, this year, 2023 and 2024 will be qualification years. I've heard that they're thinking about doing that or adding some different ways to qualify. I, I don't really know. So they haven't finalized that then? Um, no, they were the, going to talk about it at the in-person meeting. Okay. But they haven't got the minutes up for that, so we I, no one knows really what they even talked about. Right, because they're not supposed to talk about it until the minutes come out, correct? <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Uh, I, that confuses me, but okay. What do you mean? You hear a bunch of stuff from the meeting beforehand? <laughs> What's that? Do you hear a bunch of stuff before the... From the meeting before the minutes are out? Well, no, this is this is where being tired. I'm thinking um, member meetings. Oh, You're that's... allowing the membership, not, yeah. So that's They're... technically also a meeting as part of the bylaws, but no one on the board at the time I was on there would agree to that, which they, they think it's something separate. But the way the bylaws are written and my interpretation of it, those are technically meetings as part yeah. of the organization and motions could be made and all that. Like they should be called to order. They should read the previous minutes. They should put out minutes from it. 
all that stuff. But the only difference is you're allowing the members in to be a part of the meeting. Yeah, it, it's basically a lot. Right. Yeah, they're it's open. It's basically an open meeting to them. Right. Yeah. So that that's what that's where my mind was at when you said mem- um, in person. I was thinking member. So oh. that's the part. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I totally get. Never mind. Yeah. No problem. Just. Just slow, slow hard drive right now. <laughs> all good, all good. <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. It, it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, it will. But that, but that brings us to the survey they just sent out. Yeah. And limited optics. Yeah, that's one of them. Um, what else did I have down here? Limited ten the, revolver. Yep. Yep, well, if you want to call it revolver optics. Yeah, well, it's... It's pretty much, it sounds like for... So let's talk about that. Let's do limited 10 and add an optics to it and revolver optics to it, right? Okay. Uh, There was probably a handful of people asking for this, and I don't understand how they took that little amount of people asking for it to modify the division. L10 should be gone. It should have been gone a long time ago. It makes no sense. If this makes sense and there's actually people that are participating in it, that are shooting it, not to just get a classification, which hasn't been proven yet at this point, except for certain states uh, and people hiding from other people and just to get trophies, uh, there's no reason to have it. But I don't see a lot of people shooting the division at this point even with those changes, which even if they talked about them, they still couldn't vote on them because it's less than 90 days for member input. Mm-hmm. And then they wouldn't even take effect until 2024, January 31st, 2024, if they did vote on them and followed all the proper timing on the through the bylaws. I feel that it's going to be a provisional. Well, limited 10, op, limited 10 optics is what I was talking about. So anything... Voted right. on in the current divisions, they can't vote on it in that meeting per the bylaws. They had, they had to wait 90 days after and pr- allow that time before they could even vote on it for member input. So they they put that cert- the minutes out for all these changes to divisions. What December 28, 2022. 20th, yeah. So they couldn't even vote on these until March 28, March. 2022. Okay. 2023 per the bylaws. Now, knowing them, they could just throw those out and do it anyway because they've done it in the past. Okay. I'm tracking you. Uh, I I really think it was way too messy. You know, you know, you can't change these till 2024. There's timelines in, in the bylaws saying you have to submit them by August. Like, why wouldn't they just do it after they do all these – like – they put too much stuff out at a time. Like, okay, we can say they never put stuff out and now they put everything out. I would rather have everything than nothing. But they have to be smart about, like, putting that many actual, like, competition rules changes out and the divisions and adding the provisional division all at the same time just made everything messy. It was too much. And multi-gun okay. changes and steel challenge changes. They put all that out at the exact same time. They did. It was, was too much. Yeah, you were having to scroll through and, and read a chart. It's like, what in yeah. the world am I reading here? 
So, but if they decide to either do this, put everything out, or nothing, I'd rather have them put everything out. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a good step, but it felt like it was. We need to rush and get this out there because the meeting's coming up, and so they threw it together at the last minute. And Troy even admitted on the NRI podcast that the questions weren't worded very good during the survey. They could have taken more time with that. If that was a priority for them, they would have taken more time on it, spent more time on it, and actually had a plan through this whole thing. So that's current divisions. If we wanted anything else on them before I go on, I guess we could talk about production real quick. Yeah, let's let's talk about production. So they had talked about no changes, changing it to 15 rounds fit the box with no aftermarket base pads. 15 rounds fit the box with aftermarket base pads or just fit the box, whatever you could put in there. Um, I've shot, I think having no aftermarket base pads is a total loss. Like they cannot do that because so many people have aftermarket base pads now. It, it just wouldn't make sense. And having to have them all revert their gear back to factory, it would just cost the members a bunch of money. It doesn't make sense. 15 rounds fit the box or just, Load up to capacity, fit the box. I think they're one and the same. Load up to capacity, fit the box. Yes, eventually you'll probably have a handful of guns that have more capacity than the other non-handful of guns. Like maybe they have one or two rounds more. I mean, you have that, that happens in optics. You have that in carry optics. You have that in limited. You have that in yeah. open. Like you have that in every division now. To put the 15-round the limit on it, I've shot enough IPSC, I've shot enough matches that the ROs do not count. They don't count to 10 now to verify people are shooting 10 rounds. If they do, it's very, very infrequently. They're not going to count to 15 because it's even harder because they could be doing multiple raids at that point. So you, they shot six rounds over here, they got four here, and then they're going to go shoot, oh, did they shoot six there or five there or seven there? Like, It's just not realistic. So right. you can either go to some kind of instruments that measures it. You can use a mag gauge that we already have. That makes it like limited minor. No one was really pushing for that. I don't think that's a good idea. I think you have the box already. So you use the box as the metric for the size of the guns. So just With, whatever fits the box. Yeah, I think that's the easiest thing to do. That keeps the guns mostly production. Yeah, you could use a Glock 26 size gun and put a mag extension on it. But you're still going to be the same overall height. Like there's a maximum amount of thickness that the gun and grips and magazine could go. And the overall length is a maximum also. So there's a, t there's a factor that you can't go above on that. Just like the mag gauge, it's the same thing. Right. Like if they created a block or a new mag gauge, it would do the same thing. I don't think they want to do that. We already have a measuring device that's in use. Now, people will say, like, how do you do that on a stage? Like, if somebody's, you think somebody's cheating using an illegal mag. So what do you do? As an RO, you grab that mag off the floor. Hold it. When the competitor gets done, you get a box, and you take them to the safe area, have them verify it. It doesn't slow down anything. You still have the other ROs run the shooters that are shooting that stage. And you can immediately verify it on every stage. So if someone is out there suspected of cheating, just go around and put their gun and mags in a box. It, it wouldn't slow down anything. It'd be the same as measuring mags. 
And if yeah. someone's suspected I have a high mag, a long mag, people check it or people get told, asked to check it. Yeah, I can see that. Hold each other accountable. I mean, you've been around longer than I have in this sport. Have you seen that many people trying to cheat at a major match with illegal equipment? The competitors police themselves. The competitors enforce all those rules, including like the equipment rules, like what what's legal in divisions, because they're not they're going to see it on their competitors that they're shooting against, and report it to people if they want to. Most people aren't going to take a risk of running afoul of it because it's basically shooting for no score. You're just there, firing rounds downrange at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, and my point was getting at, I just don't see that many people trying to cheat the system in that way. I, I don't think a lot of people will. I think you'll, if they do go to the box, uh, there'll be some amount of time where people go back from limited minor to production because the, all, half of the competitors and activity from limited is minor which means people are loading up their mags and shooting limited minor. Right. So we have a set like 12% of the organization and activity fees are already shooting this or like in the organization that aren't in a, a division that makes sense for their equipment. Right. Now this will make sense when we start talking about limited optics because all we hear is, Oh, these people aren't shooting because they have no place to go. Why are we going to, basically create a division for people that aren't even shooting the organization when we have a 12 or 13% of the organization activity fees already participating in a non-ideal division. We should address that issue before we create a new division. Now, do I think the board is going to not do that like and create a new division? 100% they're going to create a new division. There's no stopping it. It will happen. Agree. It, like, it's foregone at this point. Now, if they did it in the in-person meeting or not, or have to do it after, it's 100% going to happen. And I totally agree. Yeah, and eventually that's where we're going. Now, what are your answers for the first problem, the 12% that are not shooting a division? You'd immediately fix that if you went to the box. Because they could the load up their... Alone. Yeah, they could load okay. up their 15, 17-round clock, whatever mags, and fit in the box and have no problem. It immediately like fixes that. that issue. Maybe it doesn't pull all 12%. Maybe some number of that is shooting limited size mag extensions with minor. They could choose to go back to a shorter pad or factory pads, but they still can shoot limited minor also. Do you think that would push a, not push, but um, draw a few more people back to production by doing that? I think it would, yeah. I do too. I don't know how many more shoot a major match, but I definitely see more people at like area local matches shooting production, being able to fill their mags, definitely make them happier. Uh, but I think you do eventually over time get bleed over to where they become more serious and then, you know, shoot major matches, maybe nationals as well. Yeah, I um, think so. It, over time. Yeah. It would, it would hurt limited. Limited numbers are artificially pumped up at this point because of that. And they have been for years. All the limited minor folks? Yep. All the Nils Jonasons out there? Yeah, it would take it, production. That's, I think, the 
uh, what we have eight divisions, so it's eight, seven, the sixth. It would take production from like the sixth to the third, and the number of people in the division, and it bumped wow, limited it from made... like third to fifth or something like that. You think it would push limited below PCC? I feel yes. like it would still be above PCC. It'd be it'd be below it. Oh, okay. It would be carry optics open production. If you move the minor shooters over, right? Then it would be PCC, and then limited. So limited would be fifth. Then you have single stack L10 revolver. You basically yeah, right. flip limited production, third to fifth, and fifth to third. That would be a big change. The numbers reflect it. It would just be relabeling them, right? Now you mentioned earlier, limited ten should be gotten a, done away with. Yeah, we have a rule in the rule book that already says if a state has restrictions on magazine capacity, you have to refer to the state's capacity. I've been saying this for years. That's DNROI does not NROI does not interpret it that way because they think that if it's not just an outright ban. That, that that rule does not take place. So that's why California isn't limited to 10 round only. They're limited. It's open because anybody that had mags previously can use them, which this issue came up. It came up in the Colorado cameo thing last year right. where it was not done that way and we had all this issue. New York is done right now like that. So no mags over 10 rounds. So so you have limited 10, and then you have limited 10. Then you have production, which is 10, single stack, revolver. You have open 10, PCC 10, carry optics 10, because the state has those rules. So it's already there. We already have a mechanism for it within the rules. We just have to you know, use the rules that we have. Now, just due to participation, what about revolver? Because, I mean, it is a minor... I think it's it's a different enough thing that it doesn't really hurt anything. It's it's not really harming anything. The people, like everybody said, the people are going to determine how much that division is used for. And it's already going, I think it's pretty steady actually. Come to think of it, I think it's had basically the same participation for years. I'd have to go back and look, but yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. Pretty much the same 3%. <laughs> Yeah, and then you, whatever get, it is you get the, the, the same 50, 40, 50 people that shoot it in nationals every year. It's fine. Now, if we had one nationals or two nationals and they were taking slots up from the more popular divisions, that would be a different conversation. So, that and that brings up an interesting question that I would have. If you were to, let's say you decided there was going to be an optics and an iron sight nationals. Yeah. What are your thoughts on for like iron sights where it's broken down this year or last year, this numbers were 3% of the people shot revolver. So at nationals, only 3% of iron sight nationals can be revolver shooters. There's only 3% will be, so that would be out of 300, that'd be nine people would be able to shoot revolver. I don't know. I, I haven't thought about that, but that seems like it would be, very restrictive, but it kind of makes it would. sense. Like, how do you it choose would. those people then? I, I, well, and that would be the issue. You know, that, that would be the conundrum you would find yourself in. But at the same time, then, you know, if 
production was of iron sights, if it was 60%, yeah. then at least you could say 60% of iron sights nationals is going to be production shooters since the, you know, that is the most popular iron sight division. Yeah, that would be, that'd be very interesting about registration and stuff. Like how do you restrict who can, cause what if you got a production slot then want to shoot revolver You tell them no, and then they don't show up this point the nationals can't afford to be turning away people they cost too much then we need a bigger place where we have more shooters or you put it into less nationals so you have the chance of losing less money okay there's your other option <laughs> either way all right if i said one nationals again i'd have like a 12 year old girl complaining to me because she can't run around and win seven national titles for her category i i do like the idea of a of fewer nationals hey you know what you wouldn't have to you could plan it out far enough ahead where yeah if the match was four or five days long yes it would require more time off for that one match but there's about 300 people that shoot nationals that shoot more than one nationals a year so those people including the staff that i don't know what the staff number would be i'm sure there's some number of staff that most staff more than one nationals that have to take off more time than what one nationals would be. Even though it is a longer period of time that you would have to be on the ground or at the match in at once compared to doing three days on at three different nationals or three days at two different nationals. Just think if you could take five days at one nationals, it'd be one less day as an example. Um, how would How would it work? What would it look like? Well, I mean, you could do... It's been done before where you do like four days of the main match and like two or three days of the staff match. It's simple math at that point where you just like see how many, well, you'd have to find a range that can hold that many first, which there's enough out there. Now, if people choose to not go there anymore, that's their choice. But there's enough ranges out there that could host a 24 Bay Nationals. They exist. There's more than one of them. And they're all throughout the country. Until next time, don't be a little bitch. Yeah.